Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989-898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989 with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Mr. Pentangela, were you a member of the Corleone family? Did you serve under Capo Regime, Peter Clemenza, under Vito Corleone, also known as the Godfather? I, uh, I never knew no Godfather. I have my own family, Senator. Mr. Pentangeli, you, uh, you are contradicting a sworn statement you previously made to me and signed. I ask you again, sir. Here and now, under oath, were you at any time a member of a crime organization headed by Michael Corleone? I don't know nothing about that. Oh, I was in the olive oil business with his father, but that was a long time ago, that's all. We have a sworn affidavit. We have it. Your sworn affidavit that you murdered on the orders of Michael Corleone. Do you deny this confession? And do you realize what will happen as a result of your denial? Look, the FBI guys, they promised me a deal. So I, so I made up a lot of stuff about Michael Corleone, because that's what they wanted. But, but it was all lies. Uh, everything. And I kept saying, uh, uh, Michael Corleone did this, and uh, Michael Corleone did that. So I said, uh, yeah, sure. If the president abused his power and invited foreign interference in our elections, if he sought to condition, coerce, extort, or bribe a vulnerable ally into conducting investigations to aid his re-election campaign and did so by withholding official acts, a White House meeting, or hundreds of millions of dollars of needed military aid, it will be, up, it will be for us to decide whether those acts are compatible with the office of the presidency. 
the lowest form of humanity, Adam Schiffless, a man without a country after this. I don't know where he's going to be able to hide after what he did to this nation. Maybe there's an estate somewhere in uh, Sicily he can find at a bargain. Treason is in the air around us everywhere. It goes by the name of patriotism. Quote from Stop the Coming Civil War by U.S. Truly Michael Savage, published in 2014, written in 2013. We've all been waiting through these hearings. I turned them on and off. They're in the background. They're on. I can't listen to them. It's like we're waiting for the Frank Pantangeli moment. We're waiting for the blockbuster. We're waiting for the lights to go off and the phones to ring. It never happened. There's nothing here. It's a bomb. If it was a movie, people would have walked out three days ago. Okay, would have been dropped from the theaters already yesterday. The only reason it hasn't been dropped is because, well, it doesn't work that way. They tried it. They ran it up the flagpole and no one saluted. It's dreck garbage. All we have seen is a bunch of treasonous scumbags who are posing as patriots, trying to bring down a duly elected president. And by the way, they're not just attacking Trump. Because the way I put it this morning was persecution of Republican voters continues by the Communist Party under Pelosi. That really says it all. Now, today, I'm not going to talk anymore about it much, honestly. At the bottom of this hour, I'm going to talk about, well, I'm going to lead in with this topic. Why are newspapers dying? Why are newspapers dying? I read a story the other day. Newspaper publisher McClatchy teeters near bankruptcy. Now, remember this. Imagine this. This is a storied newspaper publisher, McClatchy. They're weighed down by pension obligations and debt is the cover story. And that's the reason they're filing for bankruptcy within the next year. That's not the reason. That's not the reason McClatchy and the other newspapers are filing for bankruptcy. Now, here's a company out of Sacramento that operates 29 newspapers, the Miami Herald, great newspaper one day years ago. The Charlotte Observer once was a great newspaper. Kansas City Star, major American paper years ago. It's not about pension obligations and debt so much that newspapers are going bankrupt. That's the cover story. The real story is once they take over these other local newspapers, they hire the same left-wing writers and editors who uh, have been running the major papers for them, such as the Daily Bee in Sacramento, and they publish the same anti-American drivel and people stop buying the papers. And that's the reason. And they may know it, they may not know it. I think that they're so blind they don't know it. But what's intriguing to me is that while newspapers are dying, some conservative media outlets are actually thriving. For example, I'm going to give you one today. Newsmax, they bought new offices in Boca. They moved from West Palm Beach. Yes, Chris Ruddy is a friend of mine. I don't do business with Chris right now. Um, I'm not making any money with him or not not making money with him. But I like Chris. I've known Chris since the year 2000 when I was in his offices at Newsmax when Al Gore was running for office. And I remember that to this day. It was a long time ago. I can't believe it was 19 years ago. Chris will be with, with us at the bottom of this hour. And as a special holiday treat for my listeners, in the second hour, we have a real gangster on who is going to talk about the fake gangsters in the movie The Irishman. As you well know, I despise Robert De Niro for acting like a tough guy. I can't stand his guts for what he said about the president. Never mind, he has a right to not like him, but the way he said it was so particularly personal. You know De Niro's a fake gangster. We're going to have a real gangster talk about the Irishman. He saw the movie. I didn't. And he's going to tell you about real gangsters as opposed to fake gangsters. 
So you got that to look forward to. You got this hour to look forward to. What more can I give you to make you happy? The thing about radio is we have to make the audience happy, don't we? We have to keep them listening, Jim, Robert. Don't we have to keep the audience happy? Like today, I am so distracted today. I'm not watching the hearings. I see a Schmendrick there, Joaquin Castro, a schmuck with a Fu Manchu beard. I don't even know what he's talking about. Ukraine this, Ukraine that. No one knows anymore. No one could follow the bouncing Betty. It's a bunch of garbage. It bombed. Pelosi ought to just call the hearings off and throw in the, throw in the towel already. I'm distracted because I'm off next week. I'm taking a long-deserved vacation. I haven't had one in years. I don't know if you all know this, but I started a new career again last January. Nobody could, could do what I've done. Let them try it at any age. Started a new career last year. It's been a very rough year for me. One of the toughest years of my life in radio was to reconstruct my radio career after a number of things were done. And here I am a year later, and I'll be here for another year with God's will and your listenership. I'm taking a vacation. So all I was doing this morning was looking up airline seats on a 737-800 and seeing whether I'd be sitting next to the toilet and praying to God I'm not sitting next to some fat guy with a disease. That's about it. Planning the trip, what I'm going to do there. I'm not telling you where I'm going yet. And my mind is already on travel. Isn't your mind on Thanksgiving? For example, I called a relative. I asked her what she was doing for Thanksgiving. My plans have changed numerous times. And I'm going to be, uh, Mrs. and I are going to be joining relatives for Thanksgiving next Thursday in, a, in an out-of-state location, which is great for me. I mean, you know, this is what it's all about. And I only made, <laughs> we only made up our minds this morning. This is how my life is. I don't make plans in advance. I can't. I don't want to. I don't like it. People once asked me, uh, how come you agree to do speeches and then don't do them sometimes? And then another guy who knows me said, that's because Michael has such a creative mind that once he says he's going to do the speech, he's already done the speech. Within a few days, he's been there, done the speech, laid awake at night in the hotel room and left. So in other words, here we are, right? I will bet you that many of you are not interested in these hearings. I know you aren't which is why I played the Godfather piece on Frank Pantangeli with the bo- the Godfather bombshell, right? There is no bombshell. Where was the bombshell? Is there a demented liberal listening to the show who could tell me if there was a bombshell? I, I don't think there was, and I like to believe there wasn't. Where is it? Yesterday there was a fake news story by a Fox News person named Jennifer Griffin who's lost whatever shred of credibility she may have had. Fox News reporter Jennifer Griffin's fake quote of Ken Starr causes a premature celebration on the left, says Kyle Smith in the New York Post. And the fact of the matter is Jennifer Griffin published a fake headline saying that Ken Starr, here's what she said, and she was publishing fake news. She said, this is Jennifer Griffin of Fox News who should be fired for this. She said this, Ken Starr, lead prosecutor in Clinton impeachment hearings, This is now proof that the president committed the crime of bribery. This has been one of those bombshell days. Well, she soon deleted that particular tweet. He didn't say that. And what's sad is that that headline was picked up everywhere. It was even on the Drudge Report yesterday morning. And it was sad because it was fake. I played the Ken Starr piece. When I saw that, I said, it's over for Trump if Ken Starr is saying the Republican senators are going to visit him and tell him to step down. But that's not what Ken Starr said. At all. Do we have the Ken Starr piece, Robert? We do. 
Robert never talks to me, just nods. So I, I, I think he means we have it. Let's hear it if we there have it. There will be articles of impeachment. I think we've known that. I think it was just confirmed today. And then substantively, what we heard from the, the chairman is it's over. I mean, this is his position. We now know that the president, in fact, committed the crime of bribery to something of value. That's litigable. But I think the articles of impeachment are being drawn up if they haven't already been drawn up. And so it depends. Will it be bipartisan and so forth? So uh, this uh, obviously has been one of those bombshell days. That's not the piece I look for, but that's the wrong one. But OK, I'm glad you ran it anyway. No, that's not the one that I wanted. That's the reverse of what I'm saying. Ken Starr said it's a bombshell day. But that's not what Ken Starr said yesterday. I played Ken Starr yesterday when he said... The opposite. He said he thinks that Republican senators might, but they won't. You remember that? That's the one we're actually looking for. But she deleted the tweet and uh, sent out a clarification saying Ken Starr was interpreting what Kong Schiff was now thinking after hearing the Sondland testimony, which Starr described as a bombshell, adding that he would expect new articles of impeachment to be drawn up as a result. But the damage was already done. The damage had already been done. She clarified after 13,000 likes and 5,000 retweets, which is why Trump is going nowhere. He's staying in the presidency. And Kyle Smith of the Post says, this is the modern media in a microcosm. There is no premium placed upon being correct. The currency of the realm is quick and outrageous. That's what Griffin did. And Griffin's tweet leaves one wondering just how such an error was even made what the editorial controls are on reporters, tweeting news as part of their work, and the extent to which anyone even cares so long as the tweet can achieve viral or trending status. Are you listening to this? In other words, if people retweet it, it means it's news. That's not good for America. That's very bad for America. But I've got a sneaking feeling about something that I really must share with you. And uh, it's not something I really want to say. Donald Trump does not come from a political background. He comes from a business background, most particularly that in television as a reality star, basically. He's America's greatest reality star who became president in some ways. And um, reality stars thrive on one thing, popularity. In other words, there's an old adage in the publicity business that there is no such thing as bad publicity. Listen carefully now. Don't take it the wrong way. As a TV guy... Trump thrives on publicity. Good publicity or bad publicity, it doesn't really matter. It's publicity and he's in the news. I'm sad to tell you, and I'm probably never going to get another hot dog for this, and I hope I do. I hope I get a mandel bread or a dreidel at the party. I don't know if I'm even going to go to Washington after this sad tale here. He likes the publicity. Good or bad, it's about him. You agree with me? Good or bad, it's about him. And so I don't think he really cares that it's going on and on like this. It's about Donald Trump, which is not a good thing. I'm sorry to tell you. It's a, you know, if he really wanted to play this game right, he'd step back and let lawyers talk for him. He wouldn't every two minutes tweet something else and stick himself in between stupid reporters and stupid Schiff, evil Pelosi. He would just back off, disappear, take a vacation. That's my opinion. Now, of course, you'll argue, look, they're all against him and he has a right to defend himself. I heard the argument. You know, but at a certain point, no. At a certain point, no. At a certain point, just stop it already. It's not about publicity. You're not running a television show. You don't need the attention. 
Can you? And what about America? What business of America is being done while all this is going on? China is still making incursions into the South China Sea. Russia is still up to their tricks, whatever they may be doing. Uh, the illegals are still pouring over the border. Who is doing America's business while these asses on the Democrat side don't stop? Who is protecting our borders while the asses are running this divertisement? The answer is nobody, which goes all the way back to Pelosi and her grand scheme, which is break the borders. And let me tell you something. These hearings are a front for letting the borders become even more broken. This is the Savage Nation. If you care to comment, the phone number is 855-400-7282. Incidentally, there are only nine days left to watch the show that I performed on the, at the club. And you go to savagenationlive.com. After nine days, it disappears from the web. I'll be right back. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Well, you've been thinking about your home security. Who isn't? Well, there's no better time to get it than right now because right now, Simply Safe Home Security, you know them, right? The best in the business. They're giving Savage Nation listeners a huge exclusive deal for Black Friday. You know what it is? Well, now you do. 25% off any new system. Wait, plus a free HD security camera. Simply Safe gives you everything you need to keep your home safe. Everything entry sensors, motion sensors. A smart lock that locks your door when you forget. Video doorbells, plus 24-7 professional monitoring that will dispatch police 3.5 times faster. Simply Safe is my favorite home security system. It's the only one I advertise. It's the best, easiest to use, and lowest price. Please don't wait. Everyone needs security, especially around these holiday times when you may be away. SimplySafe.com slash Michael Savage to get a 25% off your system deal and a free security camera. This is the best home security deal you're ever going to see. Don't miss this amazing Black Friday deal. That's 25% off at simplysafe.com slash Michael Savage. Simplysafe.com slash Michael Savage. The Savage Nation. It's Savage on demand. As a note of correction, I want to play for you the right Ken Starr piece from yesterday. Listen very carefully. This is germane to why newspapers are failing, why no one trusts Fox News anymore. Listen. The real issue is the senators are watching. Are senators going to now say, in light of what we hear today, it's going to be a long day, even with, with uh, the ambassador alone. In light of what we have heard, we need to make a trip down to the White House. That historic example set during the Nixon presidency. From what I've been able to glean, I don't think that's going to happen. You hear but this? obviously, what happens today could. Or he just said, I don't think that's going to happen. And yet everyone ran with, Star says a Nixon moment has arrived. Everyone ran with it. All because Fox News put out fake, fake news. There's another very important fake narrative here. Ukraine, critical to our national security. I didn't know. Was I asleep like Rip Van Savage for a couple of years where I missed something about Ukraine protecting America's national security somehow? They're our umbrella? Can anyone listening to this show explain to me why Ukraine has become important to our national security? Where'd they come up with this crap? All of a sudden, the bunch of Piroshki makers from Ukraine, 
The only thing I knew about Ukraine before Pelosi cooked this up with the demented Schiff were Poroshkis. This is not debasing Ukrainian people. They're wonderful, hardy, strong people. How have they become our great protector in the world? Can anyone explain that to me? The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Is the season to elect benefits through your workplace. Most people know open enrollment as decision time for health care coverage, but it's also the perfect moment to reassess your life insurance needs. To properly provide for their families, most people need 10 times the life insurance coverage that they get through their jobs. 10 times, 10 times, which means that your employer life insurance is leaving you underinsured. And that's where Policy Genius can help. You see, Policy Genius is the easy way to shop for a life insurance plan that's not tied to your job. In just minutes, you can compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price. Now, once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape. The life insurance you buy through Policy Genius stays with you, even if you leave your job. Huh. And Policy Genius doesn't just make it easy to get life insurance. They can also help you find the right home and auto insurance and disability insurance as well. So when you're looking at your workplace benefits this month, make sure to double-check your life insurance options. Then go to PolicyGenius.com to get quotes and apply in minutes. Policy Genius, the easy way to compare and buy life insurance. PolicyGenius.com. PolicyGenius.com. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. Yeah. All right. Welcome back to the Savage Nation. There was an article the other day, newspaper publisher McClatchy teeters near bankruptcy. And they blame it on pension obligations and debt. I blame it on liberal editorial policy and the fact that they just rerun wire stories. And you may as well have one newspaper writing all these papers. Same, same thing. And yet, while newspapers are folding across America, some conservative outlets or middle-of-the-road outlets or moderate outlets or truthful outlets are thriving. And one of them is Newsmax Media. Chris is a friend of mine. We don't do business together. I appear occasionally on Newsmax TV. I love it. I think they're a great, great company. Chris, welcome to the Savage Nation. Thanks for being with us at this last minute. What do you mean we don't do business together? I thought I owned Savage Inc. I'm now <laughs> old. No, nobody owns me, buddy. Imagine so, if you sold shares in yourself, how much you, I, I mean, you probably have a billion dollar company. You just sold shares in yourself. I mean, I actually had a stockbroker approach me on that. He said, incorporate yourself and sell shares in the Savage name, the Savage Enterprise. President. Yeah, I'll run for the presidency when I'm 103. You, you were the, so, Chris, you just moved your offices from West Palm over to uh, Boca. What was that about? Bigger building? Um, well, we've been growing. We've been expanding our new TV studios. Newsmax TV, Michael, is now in 70 million cable homes. We're on every major cable system, and Direct TV, Dish, Charter, Comcast, uh, Optimum, uh, Suddenlink, uh, Cox. We just went on all the Cox systems a week ago. Uh, they're huge in California and Arizona. I, I admire you, Chris. You don't give up. You keep, you keep plowing away. And I think you're seeing a niche growing for your outlet, given that Fox has moved so much, what should we say, to the left, to the center? Well, I'm pretty shocked by Fox's attacks on the president. 
uh, Chris Wallace was out again this week. Yeah, what, what is that about? What happened? Is it Murdoch? I mean, what can you disclose? <laughs> well, I, I mean, look, I think when you have an organization that's based wholly in New York City and everybody works and lives in New York City, you're going to start having a New York point of view. It's inevitable. Uh, Newsmax is actually based in Florida. One of the reasons I moved out of New York was I was sick and tired of the groupthink there, the liberal groupthink. And, you know, uh, you know uh, tell me at CNN or MSNBC, any one host there that's pro-Trump. But I can tell you three people that are pretty critical of the president at Fox News. Uh, and Newsmax, you know, we have people I think are very fair. They're very supportive of the president because the facts. Well, wait, but Chris, you're a good friend of President Trump. Everybody knows that. And you, you see him regularly down at the club in Florida, right? And up in New York and Washington, yeah. Okay. Oh, good. So you've been in the White House. You've been at Mar-a-Lago. He's a friend of yours. He watches Newsmax at night. Can you tell us how are these hearings affecting him? I mean, can you say anything publicly? Well, I would say that I think, you know, he's a guy, Michael, that can walk on fire and not feel it. You know, normal things that you and I would be pretty upset about, I think mm. he blows off and brushes off. Now, he doesn't share with me, you know, that he's worried or upset about something. I think he's a person, you see it on Twitter, when he's angry with somebody, he lets people know it, and it doesn't bother him the next three hours, like it might uh, mess up the rest of us people. And, you know, but I, how can anyone take relentless propaganda and hate like this without it affecting them? I want to know. I, I know I couldn't take it. Well, I think the president, like, I'm, I'm not such a big fan of the constant tweeting. I think his tweets are good. He should just have them reviewed, but... One of the ways he's dealt with all of this is to respond. Sometimes he says, you remember when he tweeted when Yovanovitch was testifying and then they all said it was an obstruction of justice and witness intimidation? Yeah, yeah. I think he was just giving his point of view on what she was saying. I don't think he was trying to intimidate her at all. I don't think that's the way he, you know, you and I who know him pretty well know this is what he just does normally. It has nothing to do with an attempt to obstruct or intimidate people. Well, look, we're talking about why newspapers are dying. You see McClatchy's going into bankruptcy. Your company, Newsmax, whatever the corporate entity is, is actually thriving. So why is that, Chris? Is it strictly the, the fact that you're politically opposite to the liberal viewpoint or what? Well, I think if people went to Newsmax.com right now, they would see things that they just wouldn't see in their local newspaper. Stories, reports, information, polling data. You know, all the polling data is anti-President Trump. We did a story on Newsmax recently. The polling data is oversampling Democrats by about three to one over what any of the exit polls in the last election showed. Why do they have so many Democrats in these polls? Because they want to show a narrative against the president. And at Newsmax, we try to give the other side of the story. Well, I'm looking at your headline right now. Impeachment witnesses, quote, corruption probe clearly meant Biden's. What does that mean? Well, that's just a straight news report, right? The the witnesses today are saying that 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 they will that the president wanted an investigation of the Bidens. You know, from the beginning, there's nothing illegal about that, Michael. Um, before that phone call with Zelensky, the president had tweeted and spoken publicly about the need to investigate the Bidens in Ukraine. He was not doing anything. The wonderful thing about this guy is he's not a guy that does things like cloak and dagger. He just tells you what he believes and what he wants to do. Um, you may not agree with it. You might not have thought it was politically smart to do it, whatever the reason. It's not an impeachable offense. Why are we doing this charade of the impeachable 
impeachment process. I don't get it. Uh, here's another question. When did Ukraine become germane to our national security? I don't understand this. Uh, before this, this charade, no one even knew where Ukraine was. Why is it so important to our national security, Chris? What's the argument from the, from the Democrats? What are they ginning up here? Well, I think conservatives, too, Michael, had, you know, Ukraine's not big on the radar screen for a lot of reasons. But, you know, Russia and Putin have been overly aggressive in a number of areas and uh, in the Middle East and elsewhere. He yeah, but they helped us defeat ISIS. Let's never forget that. They were our, until Obama left and Trump joined with Russia and Russian Air Force planes with our Air Force planes joined together in joint exercises against ISIS, they were dominating in that area. How did we all forget that, Chris? No one doubts Putin's ability to get things done and that Barack Obama was incapable of getting things done. At the end of the day, um, Russia now has control over Syria. Uh, They had control over Syria before the civil war started, so nothing's really changed there. And I'm not sure that was critical for U.S. interests. Ukraine is right on the border of NATO. It has, it does have, you know, people forget this president, Donald Trump, was the guy that supplied three times lethal military aid to Ukraine. Obama wouldn't do it. He was afraid of of getting Putin angry. He only right. Obama sent them blankets. We sent them Javelin missiles under Trump, and yet Trump's being attacked as being a Quisling. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's totally. They spent, you talk about the media, Michael, two years talking about a Russian collusion with the Trump campaign, $50 million, 500 witnesses in the Mueller investigation. They came up with nothing. The president uh, cooperated fully, waived all of his executive privileges. They still accused him of being an obstructor, obstructing justice. This guy probably feels, hey, how can I win here? And I think that's why he's been fighting back so strongly on the impeachment. And I think the Democrats are trying to wind this up pretty quickly because they know they don't have anything. You think that it blew up in their face? I do, Chris. By the way, there's a new story that I just saw right on your site. No one knows this. I haven't seen this anywhere. You ready for this? California Supreme Court rejected the law requiring Trump tax returns. What a big win that is for Trump, especially in California. The state of California tried to force Trump to disclose his tax returns, and yet the California Supreme Court just rejected a state law that would have required Trump to disclose his tax returns uh, to appear on the state's primary ballot. This is a huge victory for Donald Trump. Well, it's a huge victory for the Constitution. There's no requirement the state of California can put on presidential candidates. The Constitution's very clear with the requirements. And, you know, California has gone off the deep end. And I would argue it's because the media in that state has gone off the deep end. There is no media in this state. We have no newspapers anymore. I mean, that's the germane topic today, the dying newspaper business. In San Francisco, when I moved here, Chris, we had the Examiner. We had the Chronicle. One took a little conservative side, the other a little liberal side. I loved it. It They were good B, B newspapers. Now we have a mimeograph sheet of Nancy Pelosi. That's all we have left here. Yeah, and the liberals are dominating the news sources, Facebook and Google, and Google News. They are putting algorithms that are hurting conservatives and helping liberal news organizations. And that they are coming to dominate even the search engines. I'm telling you, when you put in the word search like Trump, it'll have all these negative things that are uh, suggested. All right, put in Michael Savage and see what old Google says about me or you, for example. Yeah. Yeah, of course. They have the algorithm set. We're targeted. And uh, these are not nice guys. And they're the mind control. I personally believe the Trump administration should be moving against Facebook and Google and antitrust moves. 
Oh, yes. Pick them up. They shouldn't control 80% of the flow of news, information, searches on the Internet, and they start buying up all the companies underneath it, like YouTube and other. I think it's, it's bad. It's not good, and, the, and, and we want competition. Competition is good for the free enterprise system. So, Chris, when we see McClatchy, this was once a, let's call it a storied newspaper chain, right? You, didn't you begin as a journalist? Let, let's people let them know who you are. You began as an actual journalist for the New York Post, correct? That is true. And so you're trained in journalism, Chris, originally? Yeah, and I was a journalist. I'm still a journalist. No, but I mean, you listen, but people don't understand that you actually were a real journalist as opposed to someone who just bought a company. Right. Yeah. I went out and reported news and filed stories and asked questions and showed up at press conferences. And What I like most about you is your father was a street cop in New York and you're from Queens. So th- therefore, I trust you. Well, it's um, my father was first a motorcycle cop. So I'm very proud of that. And he used to patrol. And you'll know this. The Grand Central Parkway. Is one of oh, the- yeah. He probably gave my father a ticket for driving with a roof rack on Grand Central Parkway. I think he liked your father. He let him off. Oh, poor my poor father. He used to have to deliver his own his own sales to, to houses around the place. You know, he was a one man shop. So one day he was on the Grand Central Park where he got pulled over because he was delivering a piece of furniture on the roof of his DeSoto. Chris, I'm sure it was your father. Chris, can you stay with us another minute here on the Savage Nation to talk about why newspapers are dying? I'll be right back. Michael Savage, a host like no other. And I'm back on the Savage Nation. Yeah, no, welcome back to the Savage News program here. We are speaking with my good friend Chris Ruddy, the empresario of uh, Newsmax, great publication. Chris, are you there? Uh, Chris, are you still with us, or did you did you leave? You ran out to get something for the turkey neck, or you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Chris, um, the ad was for turkey neck and curing it. I just listened to it, and I'm. I mean, next week I hope to see you at the uh, at a uh, Thanksgiving thing. If we can't make it on the Thanksgiving day, can you save the turkey neck for me? Though I actually like turkey necks. I will. Necks. I will save the giblets and everything for you. The stuffing. I'm seeing. I'm going to be at Chris's Newsmax headquarters on a undisclosed day next week. I want to actually see the new studios. Um, I can't wait to see it. We have to bring a unit with me if I decide to broadcast from there the week after. Chris, I have to bring a Comrex brick unit. Did you know that? Yeah, we might have one here, so um, another host is also going to be coming by in the morning. So we, we'll probably be able to work out all the details so you can broadcast live. Yeah, well, that will be – we're not going to do it next week. I'm off next week. I'm absolutely doing nothing but going out on boats and stuff like that, sticking my feet in the hot water. I don't want to work. I don't want to think about impeachment. I need a vacation, Chris. I never take one. You, you're a lucky guy. I mean, you go to Europe every other time I call you. You're in Italy or something. You know how to live. I don't. I'm pretty busy though when I travel. I'm 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 usually on a news assignment covering important. I was no, I know that. I'm just kidding. Come on, I, I think you. You know what, Chris? I got to tell you, you're one of the hardest working people I ever met next to me. Well, you you, you never quit. You know that I was in Newsmax offices in the year 2000, broadcasting live from his facility when Al Gore was running for the presidency. Do you remember that, Chris? Yeah, do you remember that whole election thing that went on for weeks and weeks? I think yes, were- yes, the hanging. What were they called? Hanging chads, hanging chads. It was all happening down here. Yeah, the hanging chads. And you know who was fighting for Bush? And that was was people like Roger Stone and John Bolton was the head of the legal team down here. 
What? He was? Oh, yeah. Yeah. John was the head of the legal team fighting to get Bush the, the, the votes in Florida. I didn't know that. I didn't know John goes all the way back to that era. Uh, by the way, is John going to turn on uh, on Trump? I don't think so. I don't think anybody's turned on Trump. If you listen, to, first of all, I don't think the president did anything. All right, Chris, we're almost out of time. I just want to say to everybody, Newsmax.com, period, end of story. Chris, you're doing a great job. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Fans of the spoken word, welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book. See the movie. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. You have said already that you've seen enough to convict the president and remove him from office. Will you try to convince your Republican colleagues in the Senate to vote the same way. How central should the president's conduct uncovered by the impeachment inquiry be to a Democratic nominee's campaign? How central would it be to yours? After the bombshell testimony of Ambassador Sondland today, has that view changed for you? How central should the president's conduct uncovered by this impeachment inquiry be to any Democratic okay, nominee's campaign for president? When someone of such low intellect and with such hatred in her heart because of her own self-confusion by the name of Rachel Madcow, and I say that uh, quite strategically because I think she's suffering from a Madcow disease. There's no question in my mind she's a demented human being. Here she is as a moderator of a debate for Democrats last night, throwing out such leading questions that even a six-year-old could see that this is nothing but a propaganda show. And that leads into what we were talking in the last hour of why newspapers are dying throughout America. Uh, they say it's because with McClatchy that the pensions are too high, or that the debt is too high. That is not the reason newspapers are dying. The reason newspapers are dying is quite simple. If you scan a newspaper machine, let's say, or a rack, and you're a moderate, even a, an independent, a moderate, and every day is the same story. America is no good. White man is no good. Trump is the devil. Trump is Hitler. Trump is Mussolini. Trump is the worst man on earth. Why would you spend whatever it is, 50 cents or a dollar to buy a hate sheet like that, so you stop buying it. They're using the same, shall I say, low IQ journalism students who go to these journalism schools where they're brainwashed. Who would go to journalism school in a day like today anyway? In these days, who would go to journalism school? Why would anyone want to go into a dying field unless they were a failed personality? The only person I ever knew in my life who went to journalism school who made anything of himself was Chris Ruddy. I knew another person who went to journalism school, I think, who became a journalist, and he, he was a complete failure. He wrote obituaries. He wrote for religious newspapers, a complete flop. And he hated me my whole life because I became a success in radio. So who goes into this field? Nobody. And yet those who do go in come out all biased to the left, which is very sad. And that is why newspapers are dying. It's not to do with debt. It's not to do with uh, unresolved pension debt or anything like that. 
You look at what's in these things. You look at the children who run these newspapers. It's sad that they can't write an objective column if they even tried. Welcome to the Savage Nation. Have you stopped reading newspapers? Why? Seattle, Rob, you're on the Savage Nation. If you're still there, what's your position? Why did you stop reading a newspaper up in Seattle? Yes, well, we canceled it. It's outside of Seattle in a smaller town I grew up in. And as a kid, I used to, the front page would have a lot of local stories. You know, now 50 years later, the paper was bought a number of years ago by, it happened to be McClatchy. Mm. And uh, I come back to my hometown after my career to retire, and it's all Washington Post, New York Times, the whole paper except for the obituaries and a little bit of the local high school sports. So we canceled it. And for the last year, we've been harassed by the paper trying to just give it to us and calling us up, you know, at dinner time, trying to get us to buy it for like pennies on the dollar. And we don't it's, want ki- it's kind of sad when you think about it, Rob, isn't it? Like here in the mall, the outdoor mall here where I live, they, they give out the San Francisco Chronicle and nobody even wants it. They try to give it away and no one takes it. And the local paper, I think they've got like two reporters uh, who are actually in the town. Now, everything else is wire service. And they're products of the local liberal college, and they're writing stuff always on climate change. Oh, yeah. How did I forget that? That was a big topic last night at the Democrat debates. The whole world was going to be flooded and, uh, and disappear, wasn't it? It was. You, you know, Rob, I live next to the water, and I'm a boater, and I'm a, a trained scientist. And truthfully, I study tide tables. If any boater is out there, they know what a tide table is. I have not seen even a centimeter rise in sea level in the many, many years that I've been boating. Have you? No, I live on a lake up here, and, uh, you know, the lake goes up and down when they draw water for the city water supply. That's about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, where do you turn for your news since you've given up your local paper and you're retired up there in probably a beautiful place? Where do you turn for your news? Is it the television, or where do you get your news from? Uh, I get it. I, I go to Breitbart most of the time. I go to Breitbart, and Good. Kind of dropped drudge because it tended to get, uh, I thought it used to be okay, but a lot of sensational stuff about robots and sex robots or something. I don't know why, but it's on. I don't get it. So I'm not right for it. Isn't that interesting? Well, um, yeah, I'll no comment on that because nobody knows about that site and what's happening really, why it's gone so to the left. Everyone asks me, and I don't really know. I don't have any idea. Do you? No, but in our liberal area here, I would never dare to put a Trump sticker on my car. There's Bernie stickers all over, but if I did that, my car would be keyed and bent. You know, I, I understand that, and that gets me very angry. Why are these communists so brazen in assuming that they can put up a stinker, stick, a stinker about Bernie with impunity and no one will trash the car? But if you put an American flag on your car, they think they have the right to trash it. How did this country fall to this level? I don't know. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you. We're going to send you a free pass because there's only a few days left to my event. People still want to see the uh, live show and evening with Michael Savage. Uh, it ends in nine days. And uh, SavageNationLive.com, you have a free pass. Stay on the line, 855-400-7282. Now that the debates are over and this l- lousy, slimy Schiff is giving concluding statements, to, can we have the sign, sound, Robert? Can we listen to this slimy thing, the slimy Schiff? Trying to look like corruption. Mr. Here, here he is. Instead of what he actually said, which was, I want you to do us a favor, though. I want you to look into this 2016 crowd strike conspiracy theory, and I want you to look into the Bidens. Stop I guess we're not even supposed to. Excuse me. You know, as far as I'm concerned, Schiff just, again, committed Harry Carey. 
Yes, Trump said that. I want you to look into the Bidens. Yes, it's a corrupt family. Yes, his son was on the board of a corrupt company. And yes, every president has the right to see where the foreign aid is going, especially to a corrupt nation, Adam, to make sure that the money isn't stolen. Do you understand that, Adam? That's his job. Something you wouldn't know since you function on the other side of the law, obviously. Look, I have such contempt for Adam Schiff and for Nancy Pelosi that it wouldn't be worthwhile for me to comment because I'm very emotional about what's going on. I'm emotional because my time is being wasted, my country's being trashed, my constitution is being trampled upon, there is no work being done in Washington, and two of the worst people in the history of American politics are crowing about how great they are in what they're doing in destroying the Constitution. So, you know what? I don't want to talk about this creep, Adam Schiff. I hope the worst befalls him. I pray only that God intervenes and that somebody digs up the skeletons in his closet because I'm looking at this guy, and I'll tell you as I stand here, I'll tell you what I'm going to say is what I already said. This guy didn't get where he is by being a Boy Scout. This guy didn't get where he is by being super clean. If only there was a journalist, you talk about dying newspapers. If only there was a journalist in Orange County who could start doing footwork and banging on doors, door to door, and go and see what you can dig up on Adam Schiff. See what he has been capable of in his life. And I would do it going all the way back to grade school. I would find out whether he stole comic books or gave away jelly beans that were contaminated that he bought in Taiwan. Anything you could find in this man and start circulating it. This man is not clean, in my estimation. I've never seen anyone as crazy as this to keep going on and on and on about something that's already died. We all know this died under his feet. They took their best shot. It was a limp-wristed attack. It backfired on them. Most people can't stand hearing another word about this. He's destroying America's mood. I have nothing more to say about that. I'm asking you why newspapers are dying. It's a more interesting topic. And uh, I'll play a little bit more sound from last night's comical debate by these stupid Democrats. Wealth tax, global warming, marijuana, you know, real important issues to the average American. Even Booker, who's a joke to begin with, Booker bashes Warren's wealth tax, which I was surprised. Now, why would Booker have bashed that stupid college girl's wealth tax idea? Warren is a witch. Warren is an evil witch. Warren looks like the head of the Biden-Monhoff gang in the 1970s, as I've said before. If I were casting a movie of the evil uh, Maoists in Germany who kidnapped industrialists, tortured them and killed them and threw them in the trunk of a car, I would cast Elizabeth Warren if she went into the movie business. She has that meanness to her face of the Biden-Monhoff gang. And then, of course, you got the schmuck Bernie Petzler, Bernie Petzlach Sanders. Heart attack, no heart attack, comes out the same thing. Whites are no good, white men no good. Now he wants to uh, uh, arrest oil company executives. I want you to listen to the biggest flop on the stage last night, Bernie Sanders in clip nine. Listen to this, Schmendrick. We don't have decades. What the scientists are telling us, we don't get our act together within the next eight or nine years. Oh, We're talking stop. about hold it, hold, it, hold it. It's nine years now. Wasn't it six years last week or 11 years? Does anyone remember? It was 12 years, eight months. <laughs> eight months ago, it was 12 years that we had left. Okay, eight years, 12 months ago. 12 mo- so that means we should have 10 years. Bernie says we have only nine years till Armageddon and the world collapses. Unless we, uh, I don't know what we do. 
Uh, let's listen to the man. Wait, you got to understand something. Bernie Sanders knows nothing about science. Zero. I'm not Einstein, but I'm trained in science. I have a PhD in a real science. My plant collections are in uh, seven museums around the world. Doesn't make me Einstein, but they're real plant collections and real great museums. These collections of mine will last for hundreds of years, by the way. Long after Bernie Sanders' bones are forgotten, my plant collections will be in herbarium around, herbariums around the world. You know, when I used to go into herbariums, I would pick up herbarium sheets from the 1700s, and I would get such a thrill out of reading the herbarium sheets with the handwriting of the collector at that time, you know, where he collected it, what he did, what he saw. I'm very proud to tell you that I have a small place in science in the world, and these people don't know what the hell they're talking about. Now, having said that, hey, I'm a conservationist. I've done more for the environment than the pack of these these liars have done in their entire life. Now, listen to this liar, Bernie Sanders and Clip 9. you got to hear this. We don't have decades. What the scientists are telling us, scientists. we don't get our act together scientists. in the next eight or nine years. Oh. We're talking about cities all over the world, major cities going underwater. <laughs> We're talking about increased drought talking about increased extreme weather disturbances. The United Nations is telling us oh, that in the years liable. to come, there are going to be hundreds of millions of climate refugees causing mass national security the, issues You hear the hysteria the in the seltzer man's voice? This is like a seltzer man in, in Brooklyn in the 1950s who was on, is not on medication because they didn't have too many medications in those days. Uh, getting off the seltzer truck and screaming the world is coming to an end, the city's going to go underwater. People would have said, you know what, get, get this guy locked up, get the police here immediately and put him in prison. He's a danger to our children. Now the man's screaming the world's coming to an end, cities are going underground. How did the Democrat Party become so unhinged that they could produce a Pelosi, a Schiff, a Sanders, a Warren? Is there not a moderate Democrat in the entire world? You know, there was a time that Democrats made sense. I come from a working, a working family. I hate the word working class. That means nothing. I come from a family that worked very hard. My father was the sole breadwinner. They were all Democrats. He went up through the Depression. To him, the Republicans were for rich people only. Okay. It's not true anymore. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Pelosi is one of the richest women in the world. Does Schiff look like he ever missed a meal in his life, Mr. Hammer, Hammerbanger? I'd give anything to see Schiff tonight throwing up in a toilet bowl when he realizes that he tried his best and he failed. I can't imagine what the uh, Politburo is going to do to him. I can't imagine what the Politburo is going to do to Schiff. They ran him out. He ran the charade. He ran the show, and it bombed. I wonder what they're going to do to him tonight. I'd give anything to see Schiff at home with Mrs. Schiff. That's if, it, if there is a Mrs. Schiff who could take him. Uh, I'm running short of time. Now, remember, at the bottom of the hour... We're going to have a real gangster on the show. I hope he doesn't get mad at me saying that because he, pre he presents himself as a real gangster to talk about the fake gangsters who all should be in old age homes in the movie The Irishman, uh, a, a fraudulent fake movie about Jimmy Hoffa. No one even knows who Jimmy Hoffa is. Has Martin Scorsese lost his touch that he would even do a movie about something as insignificant as Jimmy Hoffa? Is Hollywood so out of touch with reality that even gangster movies no longer have any relevance? We'll talk about that at the bottom of the hour right here on The Savage Nation. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. 
So Victoria's Secret Fashion Show is eliminated because they won't show transgendered women in garter belts. Now, Victoria's Secret uh, lingerie show is an American tradition, whether you like it or not. But they're ending it. Do you know why? Because apparently uh, certain communities are calling it an outdated beauty standard because it shows beautiful, sexy, thin women. That makes it outdated. And then last year, Ed Razek, uh, Victoria's Secret's former chief marketing officer, was uh, caused great outrage. He said there was no room for plus-size models in their runway, and he would not cast transgender models. So apparently all the fat and transgendered people on Earth rioted, and uh, that's the end of the thin, beautiful women in Victoria's Secret. Oh, what a society we're becoming. Okay, let's go to Jimmy in New York. Jimmy, uh, hello, welcome to the show. Jimmy, did you stop reading newspapers in New York and why? I stopped watching, uh, reading the Daily Blues, which is the Daily News. Everything in it that you read is anti-Trump, anti-this. You got men, you don't know if they're women. You got women, you don't know if they're men. You got de Blasio all over, crime, corruption, murder rates up, yet they say everything's down. I mean, how many times do they think they could fool the people with this reading of garbage? Oh, yeah, 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 they're reading the Gotham, the, the Daily News. So I grew up on that, on that uh, rag. It used to be fun you know, showing uh, people in crashes and falling out of windows. But now it's only anti-American, anti-Trump every day. Who owns the Daily News, Jimmy? Well, certainly not I, Dr. Savage, but whoever owns it. Hey, you know who we have? In, in 30 seconds, I have a guest coming up. You know who? Michael Francisi, uh, one of your types. I know his father, my family. I knew it. I just, well, he's going to be on talking about how much he despises the Irishmen because they're all fake gangsters. It's just right up the alley for you and your club members. Wait, Dr. Savage, you just ask him about 3rd Avenue and Carroll Street. He'll give you the, everything about it. That's where we're from, South Brooklyn. All right, my friend. Thanks for uh, listening. I'll be back in a minute with a very great guest. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Mr. Pentangela, were you a member of the Corleone family? Did you serve under Capo regime, Peter Clemenza, under Vito Corleone, also known as the Godfather? Oh, yeah. Okay, uh, welcome back. I never, All right. I Any, everyone remembers this scene from the seminal moment in gangster movies when Godfather 1 hit America right between the eyes. Everyone remembers this movie. It's become a big part of American culture. And uh, America has a fascination with the gangsters. We know that. In, uh, I think, tomorrow, this movie, The Irishman, is opening. I really don't think I'm going to watch it on Netflix. I might. And the reason is, is I don't like old guys who are not gangsters playing gangsters. I don't, I'm not interested in Jimmy Hoffa. I have no idea why, uh, whatever his name is, the director, who I'm supposed to remember, I don't know his name, whatever it is, Scorsese, Porcini, uh, why Scorsese is talking. Why did he pick that story? Well, I don't understand. Maybe he's losing touch. Michael Francisi joins us. He's a former New York mobster, the real McCoy, capo regime of the Colombo crime family. And uh, he's a reformed guy. I've seen him on many channels, history channels and whatnot. He's very well spoken. Mr. Francisi, welcome to the Savage Nation. Thanks for joining us. Well, it's good to be here, Mike. Thank you for having me. So, Michael, if I can call you by your first name, Michael, I'm not, I don't know. You know, look, I, I'm not a fan of De Niro because of his hatred for the president. It's one thing to dislike the president, but the way he went down in the gutter, he's a mook, he's a bum, he's a this, he's a, a mutt. 
I don't want to support him in any way. But more than that, did you see the movie The Irishman, Michael? I did. I happened to be in Arizona over the weekend. It was playing at a theater right near the hotel I was staying in, so my wife and I went to see it. Okay. What did you think of it? Let's just take it from the top. Well, let's put it this way. You know, number one, I know the story is is a total fabrication. So, you know, I went in knowing that, number one. Number two, I had kind of high expectations because it is a Scorsese film and it's, a, you know, a mob movie, and he do, normally does pretty well with that. Right. Uh, but I was I was disappointed. Um, it certainly didn't reach the level of, of a Godfather or Goodfellas or one of those classics. Mm. Uh, I was disappointed, and uh, I, I got to say this. Uh, it was a good movie. I'm not going to knock it in total. It was three, a little over three hours long. Jeez, that's never really, long. Yeah, it, it never got up to expectation. But I'll say this. We share the same feeling about De Niro. I think De Niro starts to, started to believe that he's really a mob guy. Yes. That, look, Michael, you're the, look, you were in that world. I'm not. I'm just a talk show host. But why does De Niro, who's only an actor, make believe he's a gangster? You know, I think it got into his head. I, I really mean that. I mean, I, I was shocked and surprised at, at the way he's been so outspoken in such a you know, low-class way. Uh, yeah, guttural, 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 guttural manner. He's a mook. He's a bum. He's a mutt. Why such a hatred for Trump? You want to hear my analysis, Michael? Sure. Um, okay. I, I'm originally from Queens. Trump's from Queens. I was in the attached houses. He was a kind of richer guy. His father was a successful builder. But I kind of know the, the mentality in the world. And my father had a store in the Lower East Side. And I, I kind of know a little bit about that world from people who would come in the market. Let's just leave it at that. I got to know some of these people just as a kid watching it all and how these guys behaved and what they were like. I actually will leave it at that. So nevertheless, I think that what's his name? Um, what's his name? This actor. I, I'm, I'm tongue tied from De Niro. I think De Niro is very, very jealous of Trump for a number of reasons. First of all, Trump's president, he's only an actor. And I think that when Trump was just a businessman in New York, they were vying for like alpha role in the city of who was the most popular in Studio 54, who was the most popular in the clubs. And, you know, maybe it was a competition of that type. Now, all of a sudden, Trump becomes president. This guy's still doing the same gangster act. I think it's a personal vendetta because he's jealous. Well, you know, Mike, I have to share that. We, you know, I grew up the same time. I grew up in Brooklyn and certainly, uh, you know, spent a lot of time in Queens, Manhattan, all around that area. And, you know, I, I couldn't figure it out. But I have to, you know, when somebody is that, unless they had some kind of personal, uh, you know, problem with this guy, I, I'd have to say the same thing. It's got to be jealousy or envy or something. But for him to take the position that he has, and I, I say it all the time, my, my friends and I laugh about it. He really believes he became the Godfather or Jimmy Burke, somebody I knew very well, the character he played in, in mm. uh, Goodfellas. And uh, he's just playing it out. But it's, it's, it's really atrocious, in my view. I mean, it's... it's well, I think he's turned off a lot of people who are on the Trump team or on the Trump side who voted for him who may like the genre of gangster movies. Or maybe they're just going to boycott this $165 million uh, behemoth that, that they did. But why would they pick the Jimmy Hoffa story uh, Michael, what, what? no one even knows who Jimmy Hoffa is anymore. The average person today never heard of him. You know, Mike, i got to tell you something. I, I speak all over the world, and I, you know, I, I've spoken everywhere, from Southeast Asia to Australia and everywhere in between. And any time I open it up for a Q&A, one of the top five questions is always, who killed Jimmy Hoffa and where is he buried? You're kidding. I don't even care about that story. I don't understand it. That's something I would think someone who goes to, to Disneyland would ask. 
I, I don't get it either. I, I can't understand it, but there's still a fascination with that. I think, uh, you know, I, I can't. I, I just really can't explain it. But um, Michael, here's my problem with this movie, The Irishman, given that it's about uh, um, Jimmy Hoffa. Number one, I think the story's boring. But number two, it's played by these old guys. They're great actors, but they're past their prime. They're playing tough guys. They're great actors. They were greater actors in their prime. But, you know, when I watch a, a show like Narcos, for example, and I see the gangster world of Mexico or the gangster world of Colombia, and I'm sure you've watched them on Netflix, right? Like Narcos or Narcos Mexico, right? Yes. Yes. Now, now to me, these are really sterlingly frightening uh, of shows because of the violence in those particular movies. And I don't think that a story about American gangsters comes close to it in terms of a gripping nature. Well, you know, I mean, those, those shows were both very well done. Uh, you know, I was riveted to the screen watching them both. I can be honest with you. Uh, you know, this particular one, I got to tell you a couple of, you know, uh, comments that I have. Scorsese used an anti-aging process to try to, you know, bring a youthful De Niro um, and Pesci to the screen. And for me, it didn't work. Mm -hmm. Fake. It didn't work. And so that was, uh, you know, that, that was kind of a knock on the film. And I, I've told people that. But, you know, I kind of agree with you. This story is just not all that interesting anymore. And they keep trying to bleed it as much as they possibly can. Um, I think Scorsese got the wool pulled over his eyes and falling for what was written in this book. His, his mm. credibility, Sheerhan's credibility has been debunked so many times. You know, he even claimed, I don't know if you know this, but he claimed uh, that he was uh, the one that killed Joey Gallo. Who? Who said that? Sheerhan, the same guy that claims that he killed Hoffa. He, he uh, oh. in the movie. And look, that was my time. That was my era. And, you know, I know for a fact that Sheerhan did not kill Jimmy. All right, so you were around during the crazy Joe. You were around in New York during the crazy Joey Gallo days. Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, you know, the day that Joe Colombo got shot, the, the day of the Italian-American Civil Rights League. Yes. Was, uh, I had just left the stage. He was giving me some brochures to hand out near Lincoln Center when mm. this whole thing went crazy. So. And I know that whole, everything that went on during that time, I was right in the middle of my era. So for this guy to make that claim uh, was so preposterous. Really. You know, here's, I got to say this, Michael, as a guy who's just in the radio who observes different sides of life, in that day of the New York Italian gangs or gangsters, if you want to put it that way, there was a certain sense that families were untouched, that they would never touch a wife or children. Was that really true? Absolutely, Mike. And, you know, I can, uh, I can certainly add credibility to that. When I walked away from that life, and people were very upset with me and, you know, contract on my life, and the, the feds came into prison where I was at the time and said, look, mm. words all over the street from our informants. You're a dead man anyway. Let us put mm. you in the program. They went through all of that. Mm. Even through that time, I mean, I had my son was living in New York. I had two daughters there. My wife hmm. and were out in the public. I never worried about that because until this day, to my knowledge, that code had never been violated. And I didn't think it would be. And obviously, if I thought so, I would have taken different action. So it was a code that we had. Unless a family member got involved in some way, it was hands off. The same way. Okay, so everybody, but everybody on the outside of, the, of that world knew that. 
there was an old story that you could go on Mulberry Street at Christmas time and leave the, your car unlocked with presents in it, and nobody would dare steal a package because they'd have their hands cut off by the old men who would be watching the street in the doorways. I remember that as a kid, as I go to some of those restaurants with my friends in college, we all go, I can remember to this day the fun we would have. But we all felt very safe on Mulberry Street, like nobody would dare do a crazy thing. But now let's speed it forward. We have a time now, again, referring to that Mex- the movie about the, the mafia down there, the, uh, the gangsters, rather, uh, narcos. They killed children, infants with impunity. How did that happen? How did that enter the gangster world? You know, it, it's a different culture there. Um, you know, look, all of these other groups, they're built around drugs. We weren't. I'm not saying there weren't guys that did drugs, but in our family, we were told straight out we did drugs, we got killed. And for the most part, we honored that. And like I said, if it was being done, it was done on the sly and on the sneak. Hmm. These other cultures, they, they just don't have that kind of regard for family life. And it's obvious. I'm not saying anything that isn't, you know, out there. Right. Uh, and it's, it's, it's just tough to see. Um, it's and- hard to believe. I mean, I watch these movies. They knock on infant. The parents are killed. The kid's crying there in a cradle. One looks at the other and says, should I shoot it? He says, yes. I can't believe it. You sit there like cringing, like, what the hell is this? How did human life become so valueless? That's it, Mike. I have no value for human life. And uh, I don't know, maybe it's a product of where they were brought up and how they were brought up. I mean, I have to go back to that. I don't know what else it could be. but it's- No, I don't know either. We tried to analyze it a few weeks ago with the Night of the Dead and the worshiping in the cemeteries. The, you know, it's the loss of religion, the loss of Christianity that has debased most of the Western world. I don't know that's a whole separate topic. I want to stick to what you're here for. Again, we're speaking with Michael Francisi, and many of you have probably seen him on the History Channel. I think you narrated an entire series recently. I saw it about a year ago, right? Yeah, that's correct. And, and actually, I'll be in New York. I don't, where are you, Mike? You're, in, uh, you're not in New York, are you? No, I'm, uh, well, in my heart, I'm still there. But no, I'm in San Francisco, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> In, uh, as, a, as a very famous Hollywood actor friend of mine said, Mike, how did your city become so debased? I, it was, he said to me, how did it become so destroyed? What did they do to it? <laughs> well, I'm down in Orange County, so we're not too far apart. But Oh, that's great. What are you doing, speaking down there? Yeah, well, I live down here, so this is my base, and uh, you know, oh. I travel all over. Tomorrow I'll be in New York. I'm actually doing a, uh, a documentary on the Russian mob, and they've Wow. To participate in that, yeah. Are you going to be in Florida next week by any chance? Uh, no, I was in Florida about three weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> I would meet you in Florida and have a drink with you. It'd be fun. Well, we'll do that one time. I love Florida. I used to live there. It's my favorite place. I mean, I like Where, where'd you live? What town did you live in? In Delray Beach. West oh, Beach. come on. I have a house there. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I keep to myself. I don't go there much. I haven't been there for a year. I mean, in there, you know, a week, a year, maybe the most. It's unfortunate. I mean, I'm thinking of moving there, though. I can't take San Francisco anymore. It's become a nightmare. Michael Francisi is the real McCoy, and we've been talking about a movie that he's lukewarm on called The Irishman. Uh, and you know my feeling about Robert De Niro. I'm talking to my audience now. I'm really embarrassed to even say that I used to love him, and I did. As an actor, I think he was the greatest. I loved him in all his early movies. He was so captivating. He became unhinged when Trump became president, and for that reason, I'm probably not going to watch it. But for those of you out there who want to know what it's about, that's what we've been talking about. Michael, are there any closing words from you on the program today? No, just, you know, you know, I, I'm, I'm a fan of yours, Mike, and we serve, we uh, share conservative values, so I, I appreciate, you know, whatever you bring about. On but the- how do you get the show down in Orange County? You, you stream it or what? Yeah, we, we stream it down here. 
You see that? People Look. listen to this show, even though I've been banned on radio stations. Michael, you want to talk about a mob. You want to talk about mob rule? You talk about how I've been locked out of a lot of cities and stations because of my politics. But you know what? The truth has a way of seeping out, Michael. That's the truth. Well, I, I got to tell you this, Mike. I'm writing a book now. I was approached by my publisher to write a book, a political book, and I'm calling it A Mafia Democracy because I'll tell you this. If, if people in our government were ever acting like we did on the street at one point in time, it's certainly now. And, mm. you know, it's... Oh, yeah, what, looking at what, what Schiff has just done with, these, with this crucifixion of Trump? Mike, I can't get over it. I mean, even for me, a guy that's seen so much on the street, I just can't believe what... No, I, I can't believe what I... You're right. This is the really good part of this interview. I am, I'm saying to my audience, I'm beyond myself with Schiff and Pelosi... It's war. I, I've said for a while now. It's like a gang took over the country that has no morality whatsoever. No, and, and you know the hypocrisy that I'm witnessing and the shift, the way he lied. Just wow. Oh, you're from the shift, isn't shift your congressman? Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. I, nobody sees him here. Nobody worries. He doesn't worry about what's going on down here. That's well, one day, Michael, I think someone's going to probably do a little investigative reporting about Schiff's background, and I think America may not be so surprised about where those bug eyes come from. What? Michael, <laughs> I think you got the joke. But Michael Francisi, great to talk with you. You know what? The next time I am in L.A. visiting some of my friends down there, they're in the theater business. You probably know some of them. They play gangsters. Do you know uh, uh, my good friend uh, Robert Davi? I'm sure you ran, ran into him once in a while, right? I do. Yes, I do. Isn't he a great guy? Now, there's a great man, Brooklyn, Italian, wonderful man. Maybe I'll give you a call. We get together and we could all have a drink together. For sure. And just so you know, I go up to Napa Valley quite a bit. I have a place in San Francisco. So maybe when I'm up there. Oh, you do. All right. Look, absolutely. Michael, thanks for being with us on the Savage Nation. Home of borders, language, culture, the Savage Nation. You know, it was a very good day on the Savage Nation for me because I didn't focus on the hearings. I didn't even play sound on it. I tuned them out. I know that the, I can tell you right now as a media watcher myself, uh, this was the most uncompelling show I've ever seen. I think it bombed. And I think Schiff is going to be uh, really sidelined by the Democrat Party. And the way it turned out for me on this show was really good speaking with Michael Francisi at the end. You know why? It's because I've been saying the Democrat Party is behaving much like a gang, much like a gang. How many times have I said it looks to me like a gang took over America on the Democrat side? It's like a gang. Then you've got a real ex-gangster who comes on the show and he says that they're behaving worse than the mob ever behaved. Less ethics, less morality, and it's 100% true. And I'm going to try and get him back tomorrow to talk about that. These are the worst criminals, this Pelosi gang, the Schiff gang, I have ever seen in my life. And you don't have to love Donald Trump to understand that if this was done to you, you would have lost all your rights as an American. I'll be back tomorrow with God's will and your listenership. Thanks for being here. The Westwood One Podcast Network.